you can't find the Krishna's that your grandmother and Hey, Parshas Pinchas. Uh, hi, everybody in podcast land, uh, wherever you uh, end up hearing this, this class. Um, Parshas Pinchas is the second to longest Parsha. What's also unique about Parshas Pinchas is that it usually falls out on the first Shabbos of the three weeks. We're currently in the period of the three weeks, which is the uh, saddest three weeks on the Jewish calendar leading up to the saddest day of the Jewish calendar, Tisha B'Av. Many calamities have happened over Jewish history during this time. And um, it's a time that we typically focus on uh, ways to bring ourselves closer to God, closer to each other, promoting peace, promoting unity. And um, as we'll see, this week's Parsha is very apropos for uh, this theme. And we'll start with the beginning of the Parsha. So the story went that uh, the Midianites saw that they were not able to uh, um, get, uh, elicit the help, uh, solicit the help of uh, Bilam, the uh, evil prophet who tried very hard to curse the Jewish people to no avail. Bilam said the way to get the Jewish people is to get them to sin. And you get them to sin, they lose some of their protection. And in fact, they were successful in getting the Jews to do some very uh, inappropriate acts. And uh, Pinchas was there taking it all in, seeing all these uh, really tremendous offensive acts taking place in a public arena. And he took action and put a stop to it. And it was a zealous act, and a lot of people didn't necessarily respect it at first. But God respected it, and God said he was right. And the blessing that he gets, it's the only time I'm aware of anywhere in the whole Torah where someone gets such a blessing. And it's, it's, it's really the best blessing that a person could possibly get. The blessing is, says in chapter 25, verse 12, Therefore, say, I give him my covenant of peace. He got a guarantee of peace for the rest of his life. You can imagine that? Imagine that not getting into any squabbles at work or at home or your community or, it, it, it's, or, or, or your private life, your public life, your neighborly life. It, it's, it's mind-boggling to imagine such a thing. That's actually what's going to happen when Mashiach comes too. In fact, the, I believe it's the Kliyakar uh, says an amazing thing. What does it mean? How does that play out? Does God kind of like micromanage? When you receive Pinchas, he kind of throws away the any foes. And the Kliyakar says an incredible, very practical idea as to what God did. What God did was he gave him the blessing of serenity. And the Kliyakar, I think it's the Kliyakar, maybe the Dazakanim, says that naturally we are, I think when I was a kid, there was the commercial built to last. I forgot what it was. Maybe Chevy. 
um, built to last. So human beings are built to last. The Kliyakar explains that why do people deteriorate? Why do we die? Why do most human beings die? Because there's wear and tear. What is the number one wear and tear? Stress. Lack of peace. Lack of serenity. So he explains that Pinchas, we, the, we, the commentators say, lived. They say he, some say he's still alive. They say that he that uh, Elijah Eliyahu is really the embodiment of Pinchas. Another opinion says he lived for three, four hundred years. How did he live so long? He lived because he got the blessing of serenity. Things wouldn't get to him, and that is, I believe, that uh, modern science corroborates with this, and that's an incredible and powerful thing. That if we we want health, you know, we we the everyone wants health, and a lot a lot of us spend a lot of time and money to do things to get that health. And we learn here that okay, so Pinchas got an extra dose, but we really can all have that, and we know that we know when we're at peace, we're at we have serenity, um, everything goes better. So that's one of the ideas, an extra incentive to have peace. So, chapter 125, verse 10. So it says here that what, how does the Torah describe what Pinchas did? It said, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aharon. Why? It's not unusual when the Torah lists someone to list them going back all the way to their grandfather. And Chaim Shmulevitz, the late Rosh Yeshiva of the Mir Yeshiva in Arts says that this was a very, it was a zealous act. It was a brazen act that he did. It was, it really was something which, which sometimes, unfortunately, can be coming from a wrong place. It can be coming from a a, a egotistical place, from a rash place, from a, a, a combative place. And Rebbe Chaim says that the, the Torah wants to tell us, you know who this Pinchas was? He was a grandson of Aaron. Aaron was the peace rabbi. And he's and the Torah is telling us that his the apple doesn't fall, fall didn't fall far from the tree. Pinchas was also a peace-loving person. He wasn't someone who was a person who was quick to get involved in arguments, but precisely such a person as himself was someone who was the right person to stand up. Because someone who was a hothead, and, you know, when they say, when they say something, or when we, we all can get like that sometimes, that people don't take it seriously. But this was someone who really was a peace-loving person, peace-pursuing person, but yet he stood up. So I saw a famous analogy from Reb Chaim Brisker, Reb Chaim Salvechik. He says that that how how does a what's a way for a person to um, to wrap their head around when when it's a when they may have the right motivations or when they may not have the right motivations, and he gives an analogy and he says you know that. A common house problem is mice. Well, 
most homeowners don't want the mice there. And they take the pains to make sure that whatever it takes, um, there's no mice there. But there's other, there's something there's something else that doesn't like mice. That, that that so what do you do? The homeowner was put out traps, whatever it might be. So they kill the mice. What's the homeowner's goal? To make the house make the house a comfortable place. But he doesn't really care to kill the mouse. All things the same, he'd be happy if the, if the mouse lived. But then you have the cat. The cat also kills the mice in the house. But the cat, when he kills the mice in the house, that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. As far as he's concerned, uh, he wants the mouse dead. And he wants more mice around. So he can continue to kill them. Says Rechaim Salvechik, that's what you have to watch out for. Are you looking for a fight? Or are you up to the fight when, when, when it's necessary? says in verse 17 so it says it discusses here that in the way the uh, stone Chumash, I like the way it, give, it gives an introduction to this paragraph it says a new attitude toward Midjan so the Torah tells us that uh, we, the, Mid, the Midjanites are not our friends they're not our friends and the Torah talks in pretty severe terms and how we we orient uh, with the Midianites, and the truth is that the Torah has a number of nations that we have the the relationship with them is somewhat strained, and the other one is the you know is logically the um, the Egyptians, but the way in which the Torah describes our attitude towards the Midianites is a much harsher attitude than the Egyptians. And I saw an explanation, I forgot who said it, perhaps it's, it's in the Midrash, that we see from here that when you cause someone to sin, you cause someone to act out of character, not in an not appropriate way, whether it be with ritualistic things or whether it be out of character, out of moral character, character traits, that's worse than when you physically hurt someone. And we all know that. We all know that that um, that the pain that comes from something that transcends physicality is a much more profound pain. And the Torah, Torah brings that out with the attitude and discrepancy and the attitude that we have with the Egyptians and the uh, Midianites. Because the Egyptians really were after our bodies. They really, they, they, they were threatened by us. And uh, they weren't there to indoctrinate us, although they ended up, the culture ended up doing that. So in chapter 27, it says, so the Jews are called to action to fight the Mijanim. And we see it says that, one second. that Moshe was supposed to lead the war. Moshe was the leader. And the commentators point out, this is the opposite of, of, of many other rulers. Other rulers, when they have a fight, they have, the general stays back in the base. Often today, you have a general in a bunker under the ground. But Moshe 
when he led all in the front. He himself fought hand-to-hand combat with uh, with Bilam. He actually killed Bilam. And we see from there the proper attitude of a real leader. I was reading a book of leadership, and it said there's something called triangular leadership, which is there's one style of leadership that has a right side up triangle. So the point is in the sky. You have the leader on top, and it trickles down, and it goes down, which means everyone is there, the base of the triangle, the wider part, is supporting the leader. And this book uh, um, promoted that you should invert the triangle, have the leader on the bottom and the triangle on top. A good leader's attitude is they hold up their constituents. And that's the way Moshe uh, was a leader, and that's the way anyone's a good leader. A leader... You know, there, there, there's a term used in Jewish federations, public servant. And that's really what being a leader is. If a person thinks leader, leading is about uh, getting honor and all that stuff, first of all, it's not true. Um, it says an interesting idea. It says, we say the prayers on Shabbos. It's on, it says, whatever is involved in the needs of the community with faith, it's an interesting word. Whoever is involved with public activities with faith. So I heard once, I think for my Pesach Kron, that what does it mean with faith? So it said, if you're going to be involved in public activities and you want to know if, you, if, 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 it's, if you're ever going to be recognized, you have to have a lot of faith because you're, certainly in this world, you're not going to get recognized for the good things that you do. If you have faith, you know that God's gonna that God's watching and God sees what you're doing. Says so Moshe's, you know, he's kind of phasing out. And uh, we, we're talking here about the uh, you know who's gonna take over when um, when Moshe dies. So it talks about Joshua, Moshe's prize student. So it's interesting. It says, Shem says to Moshe, take Yehoshua, a man who asheruach bo, he has spirit in him. God commands Moses to put his hands on his head. He says, put your hand on his head. And then it says that he, that Moshe went ahead and gave him all the honor, and then he put two hands on his head. And the commentators point out, Rashi actually points this out, that you see here, Moshe wanted to give. Now, many leaders, they, they want to grasp every last minute they can have. You know, you have sometimes someone has a has a last, uh, a week left to a position of leadership, and they milk it for all it's worth. And Rashi points out that Moshe did the opposite. Moshe wanted people to respect Yeshua. So he actually gave Yeshua, he handed over the leadership to him, while he was still alive, and that is that. That's uh, you learn from there the mitzvah to raise the stature of people's teachers. They say parents should parents should um, should uh, you know in the, in their kids' eyes you know you know uh, idolize to some degrees their their children's teachers. If you know someone has a teacher or a mentor, someone who they look up to. 
Rashi says you learn from here that is a mitzvah you see from Moshe to 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 give that to make people's rabbis and leaders and teachers and parents and anyone who who's an influence on them to raise it up in their in their in their eyes. Says interesting thing in chapter twenty eight verse six. What does it say? So we're talking about the um, the, the Torah list a, a number of the uh, common sacrifices. But the way it words one sacrifice is a little bit intriguing. It says, Olas Tamid, the burnt offering that was brought every day. Ha'asuya Bahar Sinai, that was brought at Mount Sinai. So the commentators point out, this is the sacrifice that's brought every day, twice away, twice a day, 365. Why is the Torah making a point? Look at what they did when they brought the sacrifice on Mount Sinai. And this is a famous idea. Rashi points it out that, you know, when you do something every day, especially twice a day, you get to becomes, uh, you know, comes kind of rote, doesn't have feeling to it so much. So what the Torah is telling us, you know what, this, when you do this sacrifice every day, you should remember and try to have the feeling like the way it was at Mount Sinai when you just got it. And that's really the key to, uh, to being a, a happy period um, and, and certainly happy in uh, your Judaism. Now, the beautiful thing about Judaism is that if a person understands the way the spiritual wor world works, it's actually easy to do that. Because if you look at the Torah or a mitzvah or life as just the same humdrum, you know, I'm someone says, how's life? Same old. That's not Jewish, right? We say every single day and every single moment, every single opportunity in spirituality, it's not the same as before. It's a different opportunity that you'll never, ever see again. And you see very vibrant, happy people. Um, that that's the way they look at life. That every day, every day is a new day. Forgot who sang that song, but uh, uh, right. So anyway, I'm sure uh, I have to never sing that song. But anyway, that's the way. That's the way to be happy in life. Someone today, you know, uh, thank God I got a lot of good stuff going on. I wouldn't say it's uh, low stress kind of things. So I was complimented today. Someone said to me, you know, and it's, you know, the, it's, it's fair. You know, everyone has things that, 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 that work out for them. He said to me, Rabbi Karp, you know, how, how are you smiling today? They knew I was dealing with something stressful. And I, I appreciated that they noticed. And I, without blinking an eye, I said, I'm happy because I learned Torah every day. And when a person learns Torah, King David said, were not for Torah. What's a shashuai? Torah is my plaything. It's my toy. Right? Um, I'd be lost. And that, if a person, no matter where you are in Judaism, you could be a big Torah scholar, you could be a, the opposite of a scholar. When a person um, plugs themselves into Torah, it's like it's just like, just it's it's something new. It's fresh. It's transcendent. You 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 are a different world. And any anyone 
The Rambam says, Maimonides says, Torah munach bekeren zavis. The crown of Torah is there for anyone who wants it. And really anyone. You don't have to wait until you keep Shabbos or you keep kosher or you go to synagogue or you dress a different way or even you put it in a yarmulke. Anyone can learn Torah. And today it's so easy. Of course, you can always reach out to us. We'll try to help you. But you go online, you put in Torah class, you have endless websites uh, well, you know, with endless great ideas. Um, okay, a little another idea or two. So I quoted before that God told Moses, put your hand on Joshua, Yehoshua's head. And what does Moshe do? He puts two hands on. The Torah speaks that out. So Rashi, no, Rashi brings that to our attention. And he says that Moshe wanted to show, be generous. He was being magnanimous. And obviously, it's not such a big deal to show two hands. But two hands represents, I'm doing more than I need to do. God said, put one, I'm doing two. I'm all in with you. I'm fully supportive of you. I'm showing you my love. In fact, we know that the way that when Aaron, the priestly blessing, because when Aaron did the priestly blessing the first time, he did both hands. In fact, in the blessing, we say the priest blessed the Jewish people, the Ahava, with love. And uh, that's another reason why, um, why you know, we have, uh, you know, we're supposed to, during this sad period of time, we work on, on becoming closer to each other and breaking down, uh, you know, issues in our unity and and uh, the way to do that is to love other people, to give them, you know, and it's the famous idea that in Hebrew, the word ahava, love, has inside of it the word hab, which means to give. And that's another way. People, happy people are people who give. When you give, you're happy. Uh, and that's why when I fundraise, I uh, my one of my taglines is, is I say, you know, uh, can I... Um, I, I want to give you, and you don't say, can I, can I take a dollar? You say, can I give you an opportunity? Can I give you a merit? Um, and that, that's really what it is. So if we give and we study Torah, you're going to be a pretty happy person. One more idea, then we do a quick review. We have the famous story of the Benos Slavchad. Story of the daughters of a man named Slavchad. Slavchad um, was not alive at the time when the Jewish people were dividing up the land of Israel. And these daughters went to Moshe and they said, look, you know, our father's not here. You know, he would have had a piece in the land of Israel and we want a land of Israel. So Rashi points out that the the, uh, these girls, these five very intelligent girls, the, the Mara points out, the Mara, Rashi says that they were smart. How, why we know they're smart? Rashi has a proof, but he says they're smart. And Rashi also points out that they were grand, great, great granddaughters of Joseph, of Yosef. And it said, you know that Yosef loved Israel because he made his brothers promise to bring his body to be buried in the city of Shem. So he said, these girls, these young ladies, they also wanted to, they loved Israel. And therefore, they really, really were very assertive, and they were successful in getting in, in getting their, their, their rightful share 
in the land of Israel. But the point that Rashi points out is that what was the key to their success? The key, it was really a formidable because there really was no space. There was no precedent for them to, to, uh, to get land in Israel. But Rashi says, how did they get the land of Israel? How did they get that peace? It says, because they loved the land of Israel. There's a famous idea, I believe it's from King Solomon, Ahava Mikalkeles Es Hashura, that love bends the straight line. Love, there's a lot of songs along those lines, but um, when a person really wants something and a person loves something, then, then really any, almost anything is possible. Anything's possible. You see people, what they do for passion, when they really want something. I was calling up someone for advice last night, trying to make a, a big decision, and really was hard to navigate. And I called up someone who I, I, I really value their opinion in a certain area. They have a lot of experience with this. And, I, and they said, look, Naftali, if the main question is, if you're excited about it, it's going to work. If it's not excited about it, it's not going to work, right? And uh, that's really uh, what we learned from here. So if a person wants to accomplish, person has to, you need to develop love for things. How do you develop love for things? A lot of times the way you develop love, for, well, with people, it's simple. The way you develop love for people is you give to them. But, uh, but a, the way you can develop love for an idea or something like that is you learn about it. When you learn about it and you understand it, it's much easier to appreciate something. And then a lot of times I'll meet people, they'll say, you know, I'm not really, not really interested in Judaism. I'll say, well, do you know anything about Judaism to know if you love it or not? Uh, my fame, my, one of my favorite stories is years ago, I met a young man, unfortunately, whose mother passed away when he was very young. And he said, you know, he's kind of angry at God. And I said, that's reasonable. I said, but I think that that um, I think you're you're. Uh, I, I don't think you got it straight. It's like, what do you mean? God made my mother die, so I'm angry at him. I said, okay. Let me just ask you something. Do you get angry at people you don't know well when someone cuts you off on the highway? You don't get angry. You get ticked. Okay, whatever. You get angry at people you know well. You're like, yeah, they should know better. Uh, you know, they, 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 they have an agenda. So I said to him, I said, I would beg to differ that I don't think you're angry at God. I think you're ticked at God. I said, I'll make you a deal. Why don't you and I learn about God for a little bit? You'll get to know God better. And you'll say, look, either I really, really am angry, or you'll say, yeah, he's not so bad. And we studied uh, the book Path of the Just for a few months. And after that, I asked him, how's the anger doing? And he smiled. And a lot of things in life, we think that we're angry about them. We don't like them. But really, you have to get to know them. You have to get to know the person. You have to get to know the idea. They actually say if a person wants to develop a love for someone, you have to get to know them because everyone has good things about them. And when you get to know someone, and, and then that's how you see sometimes you see you know, two people married, or you see, you know, children and parents and siblings, and you sometimes look, you say, how does that family member love that person? I don't see anything good about that person. And the answer is, 
when you're in a family, you look subconsciously, you find things in people that you love. And they're really there. There's no one else took the time to see them. That's how people can, can love a spouse that no one else loves. Or, or that's how someone could, could, could love someone um, that no one else does. Because, but anyone can do that. Anyone, if they take the time, and the, the people who really are people who are very, people who love everyone, that's what they do. They take the time to notice things about people and appreciate them because there's almost everyone, very, very, I don't think there's anyone who we ever met or ever will meet are the type of person that has nothing about them to love. And that's why actually one of they say people have a hard time um, finding their mate. Uh, really, you have to really know what, 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 what it means to find your mate because sometimes there's a lot of work involved that uh, people aren't necessarily aware that they need to do in order to find uh, the person who they truly love because uh, uh, that, 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 that takes work. So let's do a quick review. A couple ideas we talked about. We talked about this is the period of the three weeks, saddest time of the year. We, we, we are cognizant of the, of the lack of clarity that we have in the world, and we realize that the lack of clarity is because the lack of unity that we have with Hashem, lack of unity we have with the Jewish people, lack of unity in general in the, in the whole world. And we learned from Chaim Shmulevitz that a person wants to know if they're motivated for the right reasons. Well, think of the cat and the homeowner. Are you the cat who wants the mouse dead? Or are you the homeowner who just wants a safe house? We learned about how when you hurt someone's soul, it's worse than their body from the way that we, our attitude towards the Midianites. We learned from Chaim Shmulevitz as well that um, what Moshe was looking for in the leader, it says, an ish asheruach bo, a man that had spirit with him. And the commentators say, spirit with him means a person who's a man of the people. You can have a public speaker who, 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 who you know, enthralls the audience. But what a leader is someone who understands each individual person. That's what you need in a leader. Rashi told us, now you see a true leader is Moshe wearing in the front. He went, he didn't stay in the background. He's part of the war. Rashi also told us that when a person has a, you see someone has a teacher, someone they look up to, it's a tremendous idea to elevate the teacher and the children in, in the students' eyes. Kliakar said that the way Pinchas lived for so long was because God gave him the blessing of, of having a non-stressed life. And stress Stress makes you, the uh, less stress you can have, you become a healthier person. We saw about how the lesson from the sacrifice of Mount Sinai, the daily sacrifice, you got to try to make every day a fresh day and a new day, and then you, 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 you do it with enthusiasm. We also saw from Rashi that when Moshe put the two hands on Joshua's head and when Aaron blessed the Jewish people, it was with two hands, more than you have to. When you do more than you have to, that's a sign of love, cherry on top. right? If you always only do what you have to do, it's important. That's the bare, the bare minimum, doing what you have to do. And that's a really a very, um, you know, uh, very something that's very much respected. But, uh, but when you go beyond what you do, that, that shows love. And lastly, we saw that these girls... They were able, they pushed, they, 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 they really 
were able to make things happen to get their their spot in the land of Israel because they loved the land of Israel. And love can move, move mountains. Love can change anything, and anything can happen. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a peaceful, enjoyable week.